0: This week on Trek Mary Kill.
1: Sons, squids, residue.
0: Next. We have a problem. Something
1: bigger is happening here. There is a saboteur on this ship. Keep it quiet. Go get the bastard. Things are about to get a lot worse. Captain! The Titan's dead in the morning. No one is coming to rescue us well. This is the end, my friend.
0: Trek, Mary, Kill.
1: Hi, I'm Brian. Hi, I'm Kristen.
0: Welcome to Trek, Mary, Kill, a Star Trek podcast that's free temporarily from the terror of the Shrike. This week, we're grading the fourth episode of Star Trek Picard's third season, No-Win Scenario, written by Terry Metalis with Sean Tretta, directed by Jonathan Frakes, number one, coming in. Kristen, I was really excited for you to see this one. What did you think?
1: I loved it. Not to tip my hand too much, but I I liked it.
0: There's a part of me that kind of doesn't care what we're tipping because it's kind of hard not to gush over this one. I, I agree, but... I don't know if you're how much you follow our social media account, Kristen. I'm sure it's not at all. And that's okay.
1: <laughs> I do, I do. I try to stay away from any um spoilers for Picard because I'm watching this as we are doing the episodes on the podcast.
0: She which is which means pure. I'm like
1: three four episodes behind, I guess.
0: And we are recording this on the night before the drop of the finale. So
1: Yeah. Finale Eve, if it were. Yes.
0: (laughs) Prior to this episode, prior to the season even dropping, Jonathan Frakes posted on uh, February 14th, he said, you know, February 16th, the the last ride begins, and it was a shot of him as Riker. And I just tweeted at him, Emmy for Frakes, hashtag Emmy for Frakes. (laughs) And I am such a strong believer (laughs) in this Emmy, give Jonathan Frakes an Emmy award. About a month later, Mick Jost writing, uh, wrote an article for Cinema Blend saying, Jonathan Frakes deserves awards rec- recognition for his performance in Picard Season 3. The actor really outdid himself. We can talk about the acting, but can we just talk about the Lifetime Achievement Award Jonathan Frakes deserves for being an ambassador of Star Trek?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Because he's the guy.
1: And also... Just like directing each episode, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's it's like the performance. I'm like, fine, but for me, the reason why Emmy for Frakes makes sense to me is like this guy's doing it on either side of the camera and he's been doing it for so long. Um, you know, Jonathan Frakes wanted to direct Star Trek and Rick Berman was like, an actor directing, whatever. Okay, <laughs> you have to prep for two or three hundred hours. I can't remember what it was. And Jonathan Frakes described it described it as going to director's boot camp for so for basically a season and a half, two seasons, he was going to production meetings, you know, he was shadowing directors, and he knew that they were waiting for an opportunity to like him getting tired one day and not going to a meeting, you know, they were looking for a reason to not do it. And he just was dogged and he didn't give up. And the first episode he gets is with Data's daughter, which is fantastic. And, you know, it went on from there. He wound up directing the most successful Star Trek The Next Generation movie, First Contact. It was a big hit. It put him in for a moment (laughs) into being able to direct feature films, uh, an opportunity he soon lost after a huge flop. And, you know, but he went back to TV and he's been the steady hand, one of the steady hands directing Star Trek episodes since then. It's just been a stellar career. So if for no other reason this year, active being active in front of and behind the camera, I mean, an Emmy award not a nomination i'm talking about I'm saying give him the damn emmy <laughs> for one of the yeah. two it seems well, relevant those are
1: really tough categories though because it's a primetime emmys drama series then wouldn't it
0: and i i think either way
1: in the supporting actor category
0: it, he's gonna go up against uh kieran colkin
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> matthew mcfaden yeah 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 okay. and uh <laughs> and
0: Mark Mylod uh, directing succession. I still think it Jonathan Frakes got to give it. it's TVs. Jonathan Frakes, not film people <laughs> slumming uh, it on TV. That was, that's my bigger point. Geez, you know, what you, other
1: dramas are out there. Oh boy.
0: White Lotus people. I'm yeah, sure would well, be in that comedy. Mix. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, but this episode would for sure be his submission on both sides, acting and directing for sure. You know, would it surprise you, Kristen, that Will Riker is probably not in my top thirty of favorite Star Trek characters? Yeah, actually, <laughs> it would surprise you.
1: Me. <laughs> yeah, actually,
0: I think Riker was sort of Gene Roddenberry's—you know—it was a version of Kirk when he first started, and and between Picard, Riker, and Wesley, you had the the super ego, the ego, and the id, and all that stuff. And wait, Riker wait, always... Where on the
1: list does my girl Tasha Yar uh, rank?
0: <laughs> on the Jungian archetype, or who, who is the, who came up with the it's no not no, Jung. Just,
1: uh, no Freud? But um, oh, who, Freud. who on the on the rankings of Star Trek characters does she come before or after Riker?
0: Oh, Riker's ahead of Yar. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, in the his in in all of Star Trek characters, is Riker in my top thirty? Probably not and you know it's they're intertwined right uh Frakes and Riker and well, who, well you who's know,
1: your number one then
0: that's a great question it's the one I go you back and forth know? on all the time it's either uh, Picard or Kirk and I uh, it depends well, on yeah, my mood and so to that point you know Riker has always seemed like the human face of the Enterprise you know Picard always existed as a remove. We literally have in the first episode, he's like, I'm an asshole. Don't make me look like an asshole in front of the crew, Riker. Mm -hmm. And so Riker always had to be the personality and have a smile. And he was, you know, sometimes um, a stern, uh, but friendly older brother. Sometimes he was just the goofy uncle. You know, sometimes he was just a Kirk, whatever. And like with Jonathan Frakes, he was always sort of tagging along. Oh, Patrick Stewart couldn't be here. He was off doing something important. But we have Jonathan Frakes, you know what I mean? Like representing Star Trek. Frakes has sort of existed like Riker, sort of in the pop culture of like all of his goofiness, how he mounts a chair, how he puts his foot on, you know, Data's console. You've got Jonathan Frakes in the uh, Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. You know, it never happened. You know, that's a lot. Yeah. Like he, he's a
1: meme <laughs> yes. separate and apart from anything he did with Star Trek, which is really impressive, actually.
0: Oh, and that's it's like, but they're one in the same in my head. You know, I remember in Voyager when uh, Q was on and he snapped one of the Enterprise crew members in and it was Riker. And I'm like, of course, they can't get Patrick Stewart for this. So it had to be Riker. (laughs) But Jonathan Franks is probably directing the next episode. So they brought him in. And I'm saying all this because you know, he's kind of like the goofy mascot in a lot of ways. And I don't mean that detrimentally, but like a mascot of sorts for the next generation era of Star Trek because of his success attached to the IP and, you know, everything he's done for it. And so to see him crush the absolute fuck out of these two episodes, these are the only two he directed uh, episode three and episode four of this season after a great directing career, directing Star Trek and crushing Riker. Kristen, I've never cried watching Star Trek before. <laughs> and Ooh. I cried in that scene where he's confessing to Picard how he felt when he saw his son die. Yeah. So, I mean, goddamn. <laughs> after all this time. And, you know, uh, I'll talk about it more in the performance, but Holy shit. This episode was like a lifetime achievement award for Jonathan Frakes. Mm-hmm. Is that tipping our hand too much? Is that unfair to say Is No. <laughs> Any other general thoughts you had about the episode? Kristen? Um
1: not really. I mean I have a straight <laughs> thought I'll save for the end, but um
0: No. The the episode's pretty simple. It wraps up the arc of the first four episodes. The Titan is trapped in this nebula after last episode being torpedoed into losing its power and sabotage. Gotta always double the things in these new Star Trek shows. It's like, oh, they torpedoed themselves and the bomb went off. And yeah. uh, they're sinking into this nebula with no power and it's hopeless. And they realize they're all gonna die. And Picard decides now is the time to bond with the sun, or he's pushed by Riker to do that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Seven of Nine is on the hunt. For the changeling saboteur. And she gets some help from Shaw in that case. We also learned a couple of little clues in the season arc. Something's going on with the transporter, Kristen. Mm-hmm. For some reason, the changeling decided to pose as the transporter chief. And then we've got Amanda Plummer's Vatik. We discover that she has a boss. So those are the mm-hmm. two big things that we kind of learned in this episode. Uh, the episode also has like a bit of a flashback structure. It, cuts back, it jumps back and forth a little bit from... Uh, a moment five years ago and then now, uh where Picard is for you know, in, in season one of Picard, we kind of get the impression that he's a recluse. You know what I mean? He's been retired and stayed yeah. away. So what was he doing hanging around Starfleet where some cadets could corner him at a at a at a I, at mean, what we I all I mean was. we all know exactly what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So He's uh, so we get this flashback, and I gotta say, in in the history of Star Trek, Picard, their their record with doing the episode that's framed with the past, like it's framed around a past event, has been dreadful. And so this was the best example of that, and it was it was actually pretty well done, I thought. So, Picard references the ep- the events of the episode Darmok, you know, where they only speak in metaphor. Mm-hmm um and then two other things two made for this episode events uh, apparently the enterprise e at some point encountered the herogen which was a star trek voyager villain and then we get a story about he and jack crusher not going to deneb 4 or you know not, I know, not uh,
1: <laughs> yeah I, I caught that one i yeah i wrote that one down on a- Anglius 4
0: yes uh, argilius 4 so though Yes, Ar- Argelius IV was the episode featured in Wolf in the Fold. And that's the episode where Scotty is accused of murder. But it turns out it's like the spirit of Jack the Ripper. So uh, there's a callback oh, there. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> wait, wait, they but, caught him finally. It only took a few yeah. hundred years.
0: <laughs> yeah. Ja- yeah, Jack Crusher, or the original <laughs> Picard's friend, Jack Crusher, He, the two of them went to go score some women and they stole a shuttle from the Stargazer. And on the way back, they struck a, a meteor and they had a big problem that he called a no-win scenario. It didn't meet the classic definition of a no-win scenario, but I'm willing to let that pass. We'll, yeah. we'll let it pass. Okay, so some straight thoughts. Any straight thoughts you want to throw in there?
1: Unfortunately, Worf isn't in this episode, but other no. than that, I would say... <laughs> I mean, there's no, I mean, cutting back and forth, it would have been too long of an episode. So I'm okay to pause that the B story. It still moves the B story forward because we find out that the changeling has been aboard longer than Jack Crusher has been on board. And so he wasn't there just for that reason. Yes. So something's going on. Something's afoot, Brian. (laughs) And perhaps next week we'll find out what.
0: Yes, we'll get a bit more. To the episode's credit, it didn't it didn't deal with that. There was quite a lot to get through in this episode. This mm-hmm. was a very emotional episode, and I liked that they slowed down to deal with the emotions of it, which mm-hmm. is hard to do in a go-go-go era, and I think they earned it, and it worked well. So the other stray thought I want to bring in here, the, the big controversy from this episode, if there was one, Kristen, and I'm sure I hope you roll your eyes. Cause I brought this to your attention so I could hear your eyes roll okay. on the mic. Okay. A lot of star Trek fans had their feathers ruffled that Picard says, "fuck," Ugh. which I bleeped out, <laughs> but there people don't like swears, uh harsh, harsh language in their star Trek.
1: Well, didn't and was it season two or one where the Romulan says, did you fuck her yet? Is it, or am I making that up? Which one? In, like, where? season one or two, where that female Romulan's talking to what's-his-face, the other oh, the okay. evil yeah. Romulan.
0: It might have. Well, that, that was going to get to my I larger... I
1: literally stopped watching season two, like, a week or two weeks ago, and I have forgotten all everyone's name. <laughs>
0: uh, I, well, that was going to be my point. You know, I was going to lighten up nerds, but also Star Trek Picard has been like this.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: the idea that Picard saying it I think that also is what really struck a nerve. And uh, it comes in a scene where he's trying to bond with his son. And in that, the the story that he's telling is my buddy and I were going to go hook up with some random girls Mm -hmm. shortly. And, and I'm going to read this uh, from the collider uh, interview that Terry Metallus did about the episode. The question was, there's also another really key moment here that I feel I need to ask. What went into getting another F bomb in star Trek? Mattel says, so here's what I will say. That moment actually wasn't scripted that way. Jonathan, Ed, and Patrick had created this incredibly intimate moment between a father and son. They were rehearsing and what they had crafted was so genuine and so intense that that came out in the moment. Patrick said it, uh, Patrick said it, and it felt, and it was real a couple of times. I wasn't there on the set that day. So I had not seen it when I got the director's cut. I was so taken aback by it, but it was so real. And everything you do as artists, as writers and actors, even as editors, is authenticity. That's the thing you want to feel. I was really torn because hearing that word come from your childhood hero, Captain Picard, it throws you. But wow, is it powerful. And it's a moment between a father and
1: son. It doesn't bother me at all.
0: Didn't bother me at all either.
1: Because, and I want to be very clear on this, I am an adult.
0: (laughs) I am... Uh, 100% with you on that. I, this is not Star Trek is not The a Next kids Generation. Show. Yeah, this isn't yeah. a kids' show. It's certainly not for children. It's certainly for people our age who watch Star Trek
1: The Next yeah, Generation. Yeah, for grown-ups now. Like, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't... Like, I have no... I mean, sure, this could be on the background or something. But, like, The Next Generation, you can have on it, like, any time of the day. And this one's a little bit heavier than that. Yeah. Like I would even say it if they said the F word in strange new worlds, it would be a little bit out of place.
0: Totally agree. And I, that's why I think people are trying to connect it to when discovery did it because Tilly says it in a, in like an excitement mode. And even mm-hmm. Brandon Braga who did, you know, all the star Trek next generation Voyager, et cetera. he's like, star Trek's a family show. So it kind of bothers me that they did that. But in this case, Picard is not a family show, very intentionally, not a family show. Yeah. So yeah. It, I agree. Okay, I gotta here's my other straight thought, Kristen. Okay. <laughs> when okay. they were releasing the trailers for this season, they were including the moment where Picard is handed his lunch, and it's right mm-hmm. before the cadets come up to him. So the take they use in this episode is different. It's a, it's from a different angle and it's a different version of his line. So he's hand the they an, a, an alien server puts down the the plate, which I'm like, why? Why wouldn't he just use a replicator, I guess? I, don't know. I also thought I didn't know that it was Guinan's at first, the bar. I thought it was like a, a Chili's. It looked like a chili. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he gets the food and he says, thank you. But, you know, it's Patrick Stewart with this very, 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 very old man voice. So it's like, thank you. In, in the teaser trailer, though, he sounded even older. And for months walking around by my apartment i would torment my family by what he sounded like in the original trailer which was thank you <laughs> and so when, when the moment happens oh, i was brian. waiting for him to go thank you and instead it's just thank you
1: <laughs> so, oh
0: brian so the straight thought how i had well, was
1: how long were you walking around saying that until you saw the just a week
0: no, 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 because that it was the second trailer, so I don't remember when the second one was, but it was. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> it was. It was some amount of time. <laughs> so oh, no. I'm glad they like, recognized. For
1: weeks, you were walking around oh, for a couple that. of
0: months, Kristen. I, I oh, don't
1: know <laughs> how often, like how many times a day,
0: three or four times a day,
1: <gasps> Brian. <laughs> It was so distinct. I remember. How are you very, not divorced? Like I would have probably. Oh my god.
0: It was good to see that they they corrected you that. They did drove didn't, Her mad. That's right. Well, it drove me mad too because it was very much. You know, I think I've said this before, but Patrick Stewart in at this age, he looks too similar to my grandfather at the end of his life. So it's a really <laughs> unfortunate thing where I'm like, no, be, be, don't he looks be a old. Lot like
1: my dad too. Uh,
0: it's 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 a little. But, so I'm glad they they used a different take. That that is what happened. So that yeah. was my straight
1: thought. Great scenes. I'll go first. The opening scene is where the where the cadets will come up to him in the restaurant. I had just previously, to watching this episode, watched Galaxy Quest again, and it reminded me so much of, like, all the nerds at the convention coming up to the actors and being like, Hey, so what about this thing? Could you please, like, <laughs> eliminate like, and, like, all those details? But, like, in this one, obviously, Picard's yes, like, Yes, I can. It was so similar. And I was actually waiting for, like, the cadets to be like, Oh, he's going way too into it. But they were all, like, smiling. The whole time <laughs> for hours what it seemed like that
0: was that's awesome that is exactly what happened
1: <laughs> yeah and then we also learn later in the holodeck 10 forward program when they're all about to die captain shaw as it turns out also hates picard because he was on one of the ships that locutus when he was on the borg ship uh attacked just like our buddy commander cisco and That's deep right. on the deep space nine p- pilot so it's all coming back <laughs>
0: shaw does have a great confrontation scene i don't know it's not in that episode we definitely litigated who won that scene <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and and uh i don't know in this in this scene it was not the same because it was really just Picard sitting there and letting someone be upset in a, you know, with, they all thought they were going to die in that moment. But,
1: yeah.
0: uh, you know, Shaw getting that moment, uh, Todd Stashwick getting that moment. That was great. That was fantastic. And he tells the whole story about his survivor's guilt, right? He's mm-hmm. like, I was in engineering. We got to a life pod. There are only 10 seats, but there were 15 of us. And someone comes and orders us into the escape pod. And I'm lucky number 10 somehow.
1: And it does now dawn on me that a lot of people of the same age who are in starfleet now would have similar stories of being on one of those ships yeah but all the new people are like oh it's admiral picard he's great and everyone else is like well <laughs> this guy killed my you're, family you're not baby. old enough to know <laughs> yeah. i'm trying to think of a pop culture reference of like people don't know about something really shady well like roblo's sex tape or whatever
0: that's perfect.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's great. I think that's, like a that's, teenager. <laughs> yeah.
0: Or George W. Bush.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's been rehabbed a little bit, I guess. That's right. But yeah. <laughs> so two
0: uh, outside the show's world items about that scene in particular. Number one, just real quick. I don't know if you caught in there, but uh, Shaw has a line that takes a, a dump on season two of Star Trek Picard. He says, he goes, forget about all that weird shit on the Stargazer. The real Borg are still out there. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) And then the other one was that this goes back to Terry Metalis trying to get everyone on board with the premise for season three. And he says, in one of the interviews, he's like, I asked Patrick Stewart, what is the worst thing that's ever happened to Jean-Luc Picard? And Patrick Stewart offered at least according to Terry Metalis, he said, Locutus. And so this is a good tie-in to that idea that Patrick Stewart is playing like he totally gets where Shaw's coming from. And the actor himself knows the character enough, which I got to admit, Kristen, I find it surprising. But maybe they've been forced to like confront. In my mind, actors just kind of drop parts when they're done with them, right?
1: Mm-hmm. But if
0: for 35 years, people keep asking about it, you know and you've directed and you've yeah done a lot of it maybe stuff does stick to you a little bit so
1: well i think it's different for some i mean i think some really know their character inside and out and know things that happened to them and like how their character would be affected and others are like eh, it's a job who cares
0: yeah i really like the scene with shaw i mean it, it was he also then turns to the rest of his crew and he because they're all watching their captain have basically a a breakdown in front of them
1: (laughs) on painkillers.
0: Yeah, exactly. And he says, you know, I apologize. At some point I substituted uh, being an asshole for charm or something like that.
1: Yeah. I put that in my, my great lines. We'll say it again.
0: Uh, So yeah, those are two great (laughs) moments. I never thought about the galaxy quest connection. That was great.
1: It was only honestly, because I just.
0: No, it. That's why but, I love doing Trek, Mary Kill, because that stuff does stick to me in the exact same way, too. I, I totally get it.
1: So later, um, when they find out that the, they're discussing the nebula and how it could be like a living entity, they make a reference to Farpoint. Yeah. Which we've covered. <laughs> Didn't care for the episode, but I appreciate the reference.
0: Yes. And this is when we're learning that the nebula is actually a, a womb, so would it be better to call hmm. it a Nebu Womb or a Woomula?
1: I hate both
0: of those. <laughs> well, they I'm call afraid. residue goo, residue, which we'll get to. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, I thought that was a great scene. That I wrote that down as Beverly and Picard try to convince Riker to go with their plan to ride the energy wave out. Um, and It has yeah. some great lines in that scene, but it has a really. Is it stuck in your craw? There's just some part of that scene that sticks in my craw, and I think, I think there's an easy explanation for it, but it doesn't make it right. So Beverly okay. Crusher gets a great moment, and she's that's where she gives the line. You know, she set offers up what what this is and what they can do about it, and they're trying to push Riker into riding the wave, and he's like, it's too dangerous, too many things can go wrong, and he lists all the reasons, and she goes, so let's do what we've spent our entire lives learning to be great at. And then it's a great triumphant moment for Beverly Crusher. And then Riker takes a few steps. And then Picard says, we've been here before, Will. If this is the end, let's face it together, doing what we know we do best. And he looks at Beverly when he says that. And I was like, why is he correcting her? <laughs> why Why did he just repeat what she said, but like improve upon it a little bit? Yeah,
1: I didn't really... Read it like that. Like I didn't. It
0: was just a weird thing. As bad as you think. <laughs> well, it's just weird that she's like, "Let's do what we spend our entire lives learning to be great at." And then Patrick Stewart looks at Beverly when he says, "Doing what we know we do best." Like he emphasizes it and looks at her while he's saying it. And then I realized the show's called Star Trek: Picard, so he kind of yep. has to get the word. But it was still funny. It was still a great scene. That's great.
1: Um, I have one more. When they throw the asteroid at. The- the uh, other ship, it's very cool.
0: <laughs> I basically put the last act, eight minutes, the last yeah. act, is fantastic. The whole getting out of the nebula, escaping things, and and then Riker using the tractor beam trick that the Shrike used on them uh, in Episode Two to throw a ship at them. They use it to throw an asteroid to get out of there. That was great. That was a great moment. We talk about that moment even <laughs> some even more, even more. There was a nice callback to the episode Booby Trap. That was the one where the Enterprise was being bombarded with radiation. And Geordi's on the holodeck trying to convince Leia Brahms, who designed the Enterprise's engines, to get him to simulate a situation where the Enterprise could escape. And then Picard has to pilot the ship out himself and uses the asteroid's gravitational pull to slingshot the Enterprise free. Do you remember that one? No. Okay. So they basically do do a version. The situation is vaguely similar, and they have Picard do sort of the same thing. It's a nice callback. Also, it's just a beautiful scene where we finally see the nursery give birth to all the the squids, the jellyfish,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's covered in light. It, it illuminates Riker, which we'll get to. We're gonna go right back to that in a second because I'm. There's, I think the best scene of the episode happens in the first five minutes. But then that the the sequence ends with Jack looking to Picard, and then Picard realizing in that moment that five years ago, this guy asked me. What about my family outside of Starfleet? And I said to him, I don't need anybody.
1: I got Starfleet. Yeah. That's the
0: only family I need.
1: And it's sad. I sure I sure hope a kid a long-lost kid doesn't find me. I'm sure <laughs> cramp my style.
0: You know, Patrick Stewart's face, you know, carrying the whole weight of that. Also the the literal metaphor of shining a light on something which is what the mm-hmm. this whole uh, experience does is it illuminates things for people. Okay, the best ep- scene of the episode is right after Riker's on the bridge talking to the uh, lieutenants and they're all like, it's bad. Situation's bad. We've got no power. We, if we do this, we can't do this. If we do this, we're stuck here. And he goes to Picard in, in the observation lounge trying to tell him he should go talk to his son. But Before he does that, he says, when we buried our son, I watched the coffin being lowered into the ground. It was only six feet, but it was so dark. It was like infinite emptiness. And you and I have traveled to the far reaches of space, and yet there's nothing, nothing that proved to me that there's anything after. And it's beautiful. Riker or Jonathan Frakes has never been so vulnerable. Riker has Mm -hmm. never been so vulnerable. Uh, I was going to save this for the Anton Corinian, but I got to say it here. Jonathan Frakes, one of the reviews I remember reading from Star Trek Nemesis, you know, it was a really it was a pan of the of the movie and it was like Jonathan Frakes has two faces and they're only good for television. And you know, that was a great summation essentially of Riker of Frakes performance for a large part of Next Generation. Part of that was he wasn't given quite a lot to do. You know, there wasn't a lot of emotional meat to a lot of what they were doing. And when Riker did get stuff, one of the ways that Frakes played Riker was being sort of angry, right? That was sort of his emotional. When Picard died, he was angry that the Borg took him and he couldn't, he didn't have time to be vulnerable. And so getting to see this vulnerability, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like I've never cried watching Star Trek before and 35 years of living with these people, parasocial relationships, my God. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I felt sad for Riker. And I was Im- yeah. amazed that Jonathan Frakes could dust off the instrument and give this performance. Uh, it was incredible. When he's talking about the coffin and the darkness, the black, you know, that's what I'm saying with the jellyfish in the reveal, then suddenly, if you look, Riker is standing right in front of the view screen watching this. He's being bathed in light. He's gone to the far mm-hmm. reaches of space, literally the edge of Federation space. And he's he's being shown light. It's amazing. It's like perfectly, like, again, directing-wise and writing-wise and performance-wise, fantastic. And then on the other end of it, Patrick Stewart has to just stand there and listen. Mm-hmm. And because Patrick Stewart's still such a great actor, yeah, you believe he's listening to his friend.
1: Yeah. That's like, I think they say that's the big part of acting if you I actually have to listen to the other person. Yeah. <laughs> but some people don't. They just wait to talk you can kind of tell
0: it was a touching scene and this is the note i put it felt at the same time even though i kind of said they didn't give the characters a lot of meat because it was jonathan freaks directing it because of what it was about and how you know how it was blocked how it was acted what it was about it felt straight out of 1992 Kristen, i I feel like it could have watched this in an episode of the next generation it wouldn't have had quite the same weight you know, if this had been dropped mm-hmm. into the episode where Picard found out he had a son, which wound up being a, a scam. But you know what I mean? Like you could have dropped the scene in and it might have had some resonance, like if in season, you know, if Riker's referring to the son he fake had in season four or something. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's a way it would have been but that scene could have played in next generation, it wouldn't have felt the same as it feels now with all these years with the character. So this episode's really fantastic at work as working kind of outside of the arc as well like this is a pretty all the stuff is relatable stuff hey you just found hey my friend you just found out you had a son i lost the son if i had a chance to talk to him again i would you should go do it mm-hmm. I really have time makes perfect sense and that leads into picard taking jack to the holodeck there were basically three scenes in that and i liked all of them because again patrick stewart's great and we get a little bit of ed Spalier's. I think I just like the way Jack's written kind of more than I like the way he's being played. I'm on the fence mm-hmm. about Ed Spleers as Jack. What do you think about him?
1: I still can't get past the age.
0: It's nuts. It's no, the age 20. is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and they he mentioned it to...
1: again, and I'm like, ooh, let's just never mention it again. Like, let me... I think he's fine, though. Like, I don't have an issue other than that. And that's not even his fault. Like, that's just... Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know what they're thinking with that one.
0: He asked Jack what, or Jack asks Picard when he's going to lose his hair, and Picard says, "Oh what yeah, twenty three, twenty four, enjoy it while you can." I'm like,
1: "Okay." I mean, generally, men who are as, <laughs> as bald as Patrick Stewart was by his age, um, it goes away a little bit faster than that. Like my dad started yeah. losing his hair when he was like seventeen, but they didn't have any like, um, you know treatments for it back then now they do also in the future they haven't cured baldness (laughs) male pattern baldness is still going that's that's not great news
0: picard admits which is a great parallel to the flashback when we learn at the end what's been going on but with picard he's talking about you know, Jack's like, I don't need to have a conversation with you. I don't need the connection. This isn't, you know, it's not something I'm interested in. And Picard finally admits, I need this. And that kind of loosens up Jack. It helps set up that collision at the end, the sadness, the sorrow, when Picard realizes what Jack had asked him and we get to put ourselves in Jack's. I felt what Jack felt when Picard sort of uh, denies him right in the, in the mm-hmm. flashback. And so I thought those all, all those scenes work You mentioned the Shaw scene. I thought that was great. What did you think about the Shaw and Seven scene where they're strategizing over finding the changeling? Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I had that in there. It was a great scene too. We had a glimpse of Odo, a little picture of him on, on the pad. Mm-hmm. Steal their pot, which uh, Seven <sighs> thinks is a reference to weed. And he describes changelings as goo people walking, talking, claydo. They can replicate a person on sight alone, voice, mannerisms, speech patterns but that's it and then he reveals like but they don't know like real personal details and that's how you can find them this was my fear about introducing the changelings because in deep space nine they go out of their way odo tells the crew a changeling can be anything a post a pillar even a patch of reflective surfacing so the idea that's even if these changelings are different and we might find out that there's something different about them because when we see them morph they look really meaty right they look like raw meat it's yeah. pretty gross It's not how they used to look. So if there's something different about them, fine. But it seems like that if you're a Starfleet officer who served during Deep Space Nine time, you would know that they could be anything. So I just knew when when they started playing with Deep Space Nine, I'm kind of like, they should have just left that on the shelf. It's kind of like kids playing (laughs) with their dad's stuff. They don't know what they're doing with it. Or, you know, it's like they're driving the car. They're going to dent it. And in that moment, it felt like they did. But I liked the scene because it was active, you know, and they weren't dwelling on how much they disliked each other, but it was an element feeding the scene and it worked out. So I thought that was good, good performance on either side of it. And I even like when Shaw's saying they don't know a lot about the background history. Like, I think you're really, and then he tries the tricker and it gives an example. I like how even the music starts to go triumphant, like, look, yeah. Shaw and seven are getting, <laughs> and then he's like, that's what a changeling would say. Yeah. <laughs> Any other great scenes? no i had one more <laughs> it's oh right but it's leads us right into the last act though which you should watch it's great okay. i like the scene where seven and shaw take out the changeling posing as sydney laforge yeah because the changeling knew enough about Sidney laforge to pull the Meghan mccain bit about mentioning mm-hmm. jordy laforge the first words out of her mouth
1: are be my LaForge. father
0: <laughs> i didn't mention in this last beat jack washing his face and he has the vision that's a, a shot straight from Star Trek First Contact. So I just had to drop oh. it in here. It, it, Jonathan Frakes calling back his own direction. And he said that he had to directly replicate the shot. It was great. I liked it. For all the Easter eggs and callbacks and, and fan, whatever, fan service that people get, that's the shit that I liked. I appreciated that. And it fit with the story, too. I thought it was great. So that that was nice.
1: I'm actually re-watching all of the Star Trek movies right now. I well I mean I've seen first contact before but I'm no I just started today Star oh. Trek 2 so I'm
0: waiting Oh nice it. nice Well it's the, it's just re- replicating the shot where Picard um wakes up from the dream and he washes his face in the water and then the mm-hmm. little Borg thing bursts out of his face so it's it's cool Best Trek tropes a space anomaly not being what it seems in this mm-hmm. case the nebula is not a nebula but a womb
1: can i add on to that that the nebula but also the gravitational well of like well we're getting too close to the middle and our we're gonna be crushed
0: i love um, it sometimes That's i hate
1: that but this time i like it
0: yeah it's good what about you
1: star trek does this really well i mean sometimes it does get tiresome but the how are they gonna get out of this pickle um i like <laughs> i like it in this one it's just like oh wow they've really panned themselves in a corner how are they gonna Get out of it. And I like it when the shows don't just rely on some like techno babble thing. It's like actually the teamwork, the team working together, finding a solution, instead of just beep beep boop boop. Oh, I fixed it. So in this instance, I really enjoyed that.
0: Uh the captain giving a pep talk over the inter- intercom. So mm-hmm. Riker tries to get the crew ready while they're ride their wave. And then
1: I have. Did you uh, put this? Is very um, specific to Picard, and that is that no one wants to drink his wine. <laughs> That's great. Like Jack is like, no, I'm I'm okay with that, and I've seen that a couple more. And this is the only person who's like really excited about it is Rafi, because <laughs> she's an alcoholic. And it's not like oh, I specifically- that yeah. <laughs> She's like it's not um, the
0: it's not the vintage or the brand it's it's just I need to drink. Can I tell that. a
1: very recent anecdote? I got a yes. bottle of red wine from a friend of mine for my birthday and he doesn't drink wine. And I was like, "Oh, thanks." And then um I'm this is probably the worst bottle of wine I've ever had in my life. Oh. And I think oh. I'm going to tell him just because I think he'll get a kick out of it.
0: Was it Chateau Picard? No, you would have said that. Yeah. No.
1: <laughs> I wish
0: That's why I backed off very far from trying to make a choice, and was like, "Why don't I simply give you give you the option of whatever you'd like?" Yeah, Yeah.
1: Uh, I have some more. The villain ships like on the bridge. It's always dark, and there's always shadows. That's how you know they're the bad guys. Um, I think sometimes. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I, no, I, I do. I like that you said that. That's exactly right. <laughs> um not just dark lighting, because we had dark lighting on the Titan because they have low power, but it's lights coming through, great like grates, and sometimes there's steam or smoke of some kind for no apparent reason. Um, and this ship had that.
0: You know what that set is,
1: right? Like Scorsese lighting, if you will <laughs> <laughs> like it's overhead. a redress
0: of it's a redress of the La Serena. <laughs>
1: hmm. Did not know that, okay. Do you have any more?
0: Not just a captain's log this time, Kristen. We get an admiral's log.
1: (laughs) I almost put that down too.
0: I can't believe in an episode that thrilled me so much. I remember it was like after midnight and I was like worn out. I was so like, that was great. And then we get, boom, we get an admiral's log. And I'm like, (laughs) whoa, they brought it back for one night only.
1: (laughs) Um, I also put Jack Crusher and Jean-Luc Picard going on a quest to get laid um
0: the, ah, that's we've great heard, uh you know it's been alluded
1: to in other shows of this does go on certainly in the original series pilot it's alluded to we know it must go on but like they told it like this is actually what we were doing there's no if ands or buts about it we were just trying to get laid
0: Picard was like we had an invitation yeah yeah <laughs> I didn't realize the parallels between uh, Picard and Jack Crusher and Kirk and and Gary Mitchell.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I mean, Gary Mitchell. I mean, I, mean, I mean, at least Jack Crusher didn't try to <laughs> kill everybody on the Enterprise later, though.
0: Um, I actually have that story under worst Trek tropes, but do you have any more best Trek tropes?
1: I did put the Nebula is alive, even though I sometimes don't care for that. But this time I did.
0: I mean, it's very rare that the metaphor is so on point.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it could be a little heavy handed. Uh, Other times it just falls flat. And then sometimes they just name the nebula Deborah. (laughs) This had none of that. And I think it was done quite well. Even the cheesiness of, oh, it gave birth to all these um, squid babies. I was even fine with that.
0: Yeah, I think they, again, they took their time. They showed everyone uh, reacting to it in a way that felt genuine because all the actors are, are good at reacting.
1: With and I think off. also um, the Nebula didn't just all of a sudden solve the problem. It was like it took some know-how and some work. It just, yeah. There was no magic wand being waved. In this they had one. to
0: come together to find the solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Worst Trek tropes.
1: I only have one. And that is the Titan is running out of power. But the holodeck is fine.
0: That was, you know, I forgot. That was the sub controversy after this episode came out.
1: Okay. Because then I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a tick. And even Jack says, well, how's this even able to be up and running? And admiral card, of course as well this is a separate power cell and i'm like well can't you guys hook into that problem solved
0: especially I, since he goes on to tell a story about how we use different power systems to get through mm-hmm. the solution exactly
1: yeah i was like thinking maybe ding ding um while you guys are sitting there in the well-lit holodeck
0: so two things one is for the controversial part of this dave Blass, who's like a production designer on the season and other like really knows everything about star trek immediately it's like real encyclopedias they posted a clip of harry kim talking about the holodeck systems because this exact issue came up on voyager and was like why do the holodecks still work
1: <laughs> it's like oh. separate power system like i feel like it wasn't the first time i've heard that but at the same time it seems it
0: was dumb then and it's dumb now i agree <laughs> but the like, thing is is that
1: reroute that like oh no we need to make sure that people can have their last minute drinks and orgies yeah before they die
0: that was the the controversy thing. My thinking was, is that why did they make the power thing such an issue? Like, they did too much. The ship is trapped in the gravity well. All you really have to say is they don't have enough power to get yeah. out. You know what I mean? Like, if they're down to 30%, it's like, yes, certain systems will work, but it's not going to, like, do it. It's not going to do anything. And then all your other stuff about having to transfer life support and all that stuff at the last minute and one last heave hail mary to ride the wave out it all still works but you you fill up a lot of pages of dialogue with unnecessary power transferring i don't know it, it's like the only real wrinkle in the episode that you know real yeah flaw in the episode i think uh, like, i agree and
1: that's you. only because we're being nitpicky because we have to because of because of the categories that we came up ourselves our <laughs> No,
0: well, but a lot of fans <laughs> came up a lot of fans flagged that too and i'm like it seems like it's a self-inflicted wound it would have been enough yeah. to just say there's not enough power we have we have power, and but we don't maybe know.
1: even if they said it's on a separate power thing and it's it would take us hours to reroute it. We don't have enough time anyway or something. Exactly.
0: Like that. Exactly. Because they they were kind of like, we're going to be or crushed.
1: Even like, we only have life support in the holodex, Everyone's going to have to come on here in here later.
0: Yeah. Or something. I mean, yeah. They were like, we're either going to get crushed or run out of air is sort of how it says at the top mm-hmm. of the act. The other one was tied to Jack and Picard getting laid even in, in that era. It's so easy to steal a shuttle from a starship. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was the other worst trick joke. Mm-hmm. Because it, it gets annoying where it's like, oh, they stole a shuttle.
1: <laughs> Most of it's time quality. Um, I put down that there's a reference to weed. And it's yes. not negative. Yeah. Yeah. So 709 says, I assume you're not referring to cannabis. And he's, and Captain Shaw says, no, unfortunately. So like, I, I mean, some of the other shows, even I think Strange New Worlds would probably not have the captain of the ship being like, yeah, I wish we could smoke a bunch of weed right now or something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I have the, the red door vision itself that Jack's having. I think it was in the vines and all that sort of reminiscent yeah. of like Stranger Things. So I think just the iconography oh. and familiarity there.
1: I could not get into that show, by the way. Me neither. Me neither.
0: also the kid being special i feel like this is a very of its time quality Uh it's the child he's the key
1: (laughs) Mm. okay
0: now it's time for the line must be drawn here great lines
1: i just put the funny ones really so i just did the when um picard says 10 fucking grueling hours because i felt that was notable
0: uh, I had the hair. When did it go? You're what? 23, 24. Enjoy it while you can. <laughs> Hold on. Let me see if I can get the voice. Enjoy it while you can. <laughs> That's pretty close.
1: I have to say. And I also have, um, I'm just some dipshit from Chicago.
0: From yeah. Shaw. That was a great line because it's funny and sad, right? He's like, I'm just some dipshit yeah. from Chicago. And now I'm lucky number 10. He's talking about the escape pod. That's yeah. great. I already mentioned the Riker line about lowering the, the the Sun in the coffin. We don't need to say that again.
1: We've already mentioned the forgive me at some point. I um sorry, I can't even read my writing.
0: Asshole became a substitute for charm. Yeah, asshole became yeah, a substitute for charm. Anson LaForge always calls me Commander Seven, out of respect. I think I just like Jerry Ryan's line delivery of that a lot more than anything. I think we should boldly get the hell out of here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like the way Picard says, "Jack, thank you for your time. It meant a lot to me because it's so formal."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and he's saying it sort of as he's walking away from him. I thought that was a like funny a, almost like
1: a pharmaceutical rep <laughs> speaking to yeah. a doctor who him in between patients. Like, that
0: was a positive interaction.
1: For your, your time, I appreciate it. Um, here are some free samples of Viagra or whatever <laughs> for your patients.
0: It's a quotable episode. The The writing in this episode as is as strong as the acting and the directing and the visual effects. We didn't even really get into any of that. The music, like everything in this episode is really clicking. Moving on.
1: Uh-huh. The Anton Crudian Award for Best Performance. I'm just giving it to Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, I
0: don't think there's any. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't put this as a great scene and I guess I should have, but I said the last eight minutes, the last 10 minutes of the episode, but- I mean, he's so great. And you, he has that scene where he's trying to uh, figure out what to say to Troy and the message to leave behind. And then again, because the writing and the directing is so great in the acting, in the last scene with Riker, he's talking and we think he's finally figured out what to say. And then that's when I got choked up again. I was like, Troy, Troy's there. He's talking to her. And it's like, why wasn't this the first time we saw Deanna Troy? That would have been. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, But it was it was such a nice, lovely scene between them. And he's softened and he's like, I'm going to try to be better. And like I I saw she's like, you haven't said anything so nice in such a long time. And, you know, they were really sweet. And it was felt real and it felt genuine. And it felt like Star Trek The Next Generation. It felt like Riker and Troy in a relationship. Uh, It felt great. But an all time Jonathan Frakes performance it's i think yeah. this episode i don't know what he thinks i mean he's been in all of his podcast interviews all the tv interviews he's been doing he gets asked about this but i mean like i'm i'm sure no actor would well, say he thinks he's
1: a bad actor
0: which is crazy he does and i don't know if he would necessarily say like the 4th episode of the 3rd season of a streaming show when i'm s- been acting for 40 or 50 years <laughs> it's the best thing yeah. i've ever done but it's certainly the best thing i've ever seen him do and it's incredible. It's not like damning with faint praise. It was a legit performance. All right, the Shatner then.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I didn't have anyone that jumped to m- that leapt to mind in this one.
1: Uh, I'm giving it to Vadik, the Shrike captain, because oh, good call. No, the nope, scene good with call. the the scene with the uh, the boss was. Mm, I mean, I, it's fine. Totally great.
0: I should have put but. the little pan that she pours her. She cuts her hand off so that the, her hand mm-hmm. can morph into the boss. <laughs> that that gold pan she puts it in. I'm like, I feel like I've seen that like a, a pure one or a cost plus or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good call. Amanda Plummer, who I love. You know, but that's fair. Amanda Plummer, her career is largely defined by going for it. So this is it's perfect. Yeah.
1: It's not out of place. It's just, you know, we have to yeah. it to someone. Yeah. All right, what part of this are they teaching at Starfleet Academy?
0: When a nebula exhibits bioelectrical signals, it probably means the nebula's alive.
1: Mm, maybe. <laughs> I put changeling goop. But not how to do any manual work on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> because no one knows how to do anything without the assist electronic assistance.
0: What are the parts on this rewatch? Because I've watched this episode like five or six times. <laughs> When Seven finds the pot, which by the way, the mm-hmm. pot didn't need to look like Odo's pot. It was such a, again, don't touch Deep Space Nine. You don't understand. Like it just had to be a container. It didn't have to be a specific brand like of pot. Tower. Yeah. Like a, could've, it could have been, it could have, he he could have better hit himself. Yep. <laughs> Cut out a book. Awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cut out a book? Yeah. A hole in a book
1: <laughs> right mm. in there. Yeah. This is, Hmm. <laughs> But, of Rome <laughs> but they
0: they have a when she finds the pot and then she gets a the goo she's walking through the corridor and before the changeling attacks her, which was a really stupid attack like it was dumb he had her dead to rights and it's all dumb. That was all stupid, you know it's like we have to show some action but also drag this out. but she contacts she's like science lab, I'm bringing something something to you and they're like, sorry, the power's been all shunted. We we don't, the lab's closed. And she's yeah. like, I, I, and they're like, use a tricorder. <laughs> she's the, she's the first officer of the fucking yeah. ship.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Have you considered yeah. using a tricorder?
0: <laughs> so it was just, that or part class. was really stupid. Yeah. So I guess they're teaching them to backtalk. They're their senior officers. Yeah,
1: apparently. <laughs>
0: Picard makes a reference to his memoirs in the first episode. So I thought for Picard season three, we should have this last cast category be what part of this is Picard toning down or, or beefing up in his memoirs. And I just want to make a, before you answer that, I just need to point out that the cadet that he's talking to, one of the ones that comes up to him mentions a book that Picard wrote. So that wasn't his memoir. He, he He's going to write another version. <laughs> mm. My Life in Space, yeah, part two. Yeah, I don't know. So, uh, but what um, part of this are they, is Picard referencing and is he going to make it look better or worse?
1: I think he might say that his story about the quest to get laid got a bigger laugh than it did. It was a <laughs> crowd pleaser than it was. I
0: like, I like staying right there. In his mind, is the whole crew of the Titan. Uh, witnessing Shaw's outburst or is it just a one-on-one?
1: Ooh. Well, I think the whole crew because some people are going to say that they saw it, so it's hard to say that you- Oh, know.
0: I love that. Burst. Oh, they were there when it happened. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. that, But definitely Picard is talking about everything that happened in the holodeck.
1: <laughs> but it'd be like, he was very much on a lot of painkillers. <laughs> So he uh, you know and everyone just kept side-eyeing him. Everyone felt sort of bad for him. Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> had to feel sorry for him in a strange way. Him limping in. <laughs> his words. Uh he said <laughs> he said Fist on the bar top implied that
0: Jack's mother was a bad doctor. Yeah. <laughs> just really go for it. <laughs>
1: Something about females shouldn't be doctors. <laughs>
0: anyway. Who who are they going to believe, me or Shaw?
1: Yeah, right, right. The self-described asshole. Yeah.
0: And I wonder he'll keep the dipshit from Chicago, but oh yeah. from Chicago. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the better time to use. As yeah. I'm promoting face. you from. I'm from promoting you from dipshit to face.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> called himself a dipshit face from Chicago <laughs> who had no business a ship. We all told him now, now there. You have you're on a lot of pain medication. You've been a traumatic bench.
0: He suggested the painkillers made his dick stop working, but we knew the truth.
1: <laughs> it never did. <laughs> he couldn't relate to my story about trying to get laid <laughs> oh I think he'll probably say that Jack Crusher loved the wine <laughs> it was
0: funny because they he said he wanted cheap whiskey instead Uh, yeah. you know whatever and, and they it, call he... it
1: Jameson <laughs> Not even, like, generic as Jameson. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, like, how they had to, I mean, you have to clear that, so I wonder, like, well, we call it cheap. We can't release the script. It's um... a <laughs> so, yes or no. Like, okay, fine. Jameson's great. I mean... Is it cheap? I don't really drink whiskey. I don't think it's cheap. I think it's cheap.
0: It's not cheap. It's definitely at least the next level up, but it's not cheap. It's not what shelf. he's asking for. Yeah, it's not what he's oh, asking for.
1: Well, right? I don't know. Yeah. Did I tell you how my dad like paid a lot of money to have Jameson at my wedding, and it cost so much fucking money because that's all anyone would drink all night, and he could have just oh, had wow. like whatever whiskey was included in like the package he went through like a thousand dollars worth of jameson i'm not joking
0: oh my gosh yeah i mean well now i I regret even more not going to the wedding so yeah (laughs) well a bottle of jameson is 30 dollars. so i mean again i think that's the next level up and you can get different years of it where it costs more because it's it's aged longer and that kind of stuff but
1: i heard it's like sweeter than other whiskeys is that true
0: that's not uh, my experience with it, and I maybe I just haven't had it in a while. A while, but it, you know, if I think of Jack Daniels and I compare it to Jameson, Jameson's uh, drier and smoother.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, something along those lines. I'm definitely not the person to ask though, but Jameson's great. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, but I I love it. I think I think uh, Patrick Stewart or John Luke Picard's definitely going to trump up the the. The dire holodeck. Moment. Yeah, he'll be
1: like, This was, you know, uh, he'll give the year and the vintage and how he bought, how that year was in harvesting and then go into, it. and he loved it.
0: Oh, uh, that's great. The story is that Jack wanted something else, but I, you know, I said, You should just try it. And he did, and he liked it.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we toasted it. We toasted to each other. So Trek, Mary, Kill, Brian. I mean, it's Mary. Yeah, I'm going to marry this episode. I, I go back and... thousand dollars on Jameson at the wedding. <laughs> uh,
0: I don't... I mean, I want to marry this episode so hard, I kind of feel like... You cried during it. the... I cried during it. And I cried talking about it. I cried I writing... probably
1: cried during Star Trek, but not because of what was going on on screen. Probably just, like, coincidentally at some point in my life.
0: In my mind, I can clearly recall the saddest moments in television for me. And in Star Trek, it really, the closest I've ever come was when, was in the first five or ten minutes of the Chris Pine one. That was the closest wow. I've ever come. And then it took, hey, Riker's been my buddy for 35 years. <laughs> and and this moment to, yeah, it was it's really something but it's hard it's like you have the recency bias right where it's like is this one of the best episodes of star trek ever i'm like i don't know about that but it was amazing impressive yeah all thanks to frakes yeah (laughs) like without him
1: me emmy for frakes oh yes of course (laughs) i do have a straight straight question so if you are about to die what would be your end-of-life holodeck program that you'd... Fire <laughs> God up? It. I knew it! You
0: knew it? Well, just to call back my uh, an eyes wide shut or dog. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think I'd probably be too depressed to have an orgy.
0: If, so I need more a little more circumstance. If I knew I was going to die, so like I had just gotten the diagnosis, so I wasn't in hospice. Oh. Is that what you're asking?
1: Well, or is it like you, well, if you're I'm in the situation and, like, oh, yeah, like you're on the same situation where it's like pretty dire on the ship. And like you think like it's pretty close to like 95% chance you're going to die.
0: I've never really thought about that before. You know, if I had the holodeck to re-cre- recreate things, I, I'm I feel like this is something I'm going to talk about in a later episode watching Picard, but I'm not a nostalgia person. There's a part of me that kind of tries to reject it, in mm. fact. So, but when you asked me that question, the first thing I thought was, well, if I'm using the holodeck, it means I could be anywhere at any time with anybody. And there's a part of me that's like, it would be nice to recreate a place that I feel very strongly attached to with and include in that people I I love. Right? Isn't that what we would all kind of do? I think that's what I would do. Yeah.
1: And it could be, it could be
0: like... I mean, just a bad version, and this is not what I actually think. But like recreating um, a night that you had with some people, and it doesn't have to go exactly how it went, but it's like you would recreate the circumstances, and you'd be able to do that moment. Some you'd be able to live in that moment as the end yeah game. What about you're... like
1: a really good baseball game or something, <laughs> like one where um... your team wins.
0: My reticence for that is I'm not being active in it. I mean, watch, sitting and watching something or even standing and cheering, it doesn't quite excite me as much.
1: Hmm. That's
0: a great question. Have I just not lived a, as fulfilling a life to think about? But...
1: Well, I'd probably do something that brings me comfort. I'd probably just be like, oh, I'll just go on a beach somewhere or whatever. I don't know.
0: Oh, well, I think that's, yeah. Uh, I think something that ends up on the beach would be great. It just depends on how much time you have. yeah. Wouldn't it be fun to recreate the uh, opening of Raiders of the Lost Ark?
1: Oh, like when you're running around and you're running from the ball and you're like you're Indiana Jones. <laughs> you're Indiana Jones. <laughs> I don't I mean yes, but I don't think that would be my I'm gonna die, so I'm, I I got to do this.
0: If I had 4 hours and I'm like, okay, I think I can segment this up pretty well because <laughs> with the holodeck, you don't need a lot of prep time, right? You just say computer, I'm Indiana yeah. Jones. But be in the first act of Raiders mm-hmm. of the Lost Ark. That's ten minutes, and you're done, and you can jump around. But
1: oh, that's also a good question of like, what if you could put yourself in a in a scene in a movie to play out on the holodeck? What would it be? I have to yes. think about would you, this.
0: would you be Jack Nicholson or Tom Cruise in the All Good Men scene?
1: I, it would not be that movie at all. <laughs> that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> also that doesn't like you could just do that with a buddy and like a chair and a well, table or something. whoever
0: you are not is played by the the actor you're in but that's true it is just a play that's a, that's a great yeah play. yeah i i don't know i gotta be honest i have too much recency bias i'd probably want to do the rooftop run that tom cruise does in in the last mission impossible oh yeah it kind of looked like fun and especially knowing that the holiday well, wouldn't let me break my leg. leg, yeah, I wouldn't
1: break my ankle and <laughs> shut down production. That's right, Forever, <laughs> never, never.
0: Mm. Computer, simulate the next six weeks, please, while I recover. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Oof, oh, now I have to think about it. Well, we could come back to it later.
0: <laughs> Put a pin in that for a later episode yeah, of I'll Trek. Have to think about it. I mean, I
1: guess I didn't, I didn't think about my own question ahead of time enough. Of, other than like oh i don't know drunk on a beach that's kind of all i came up with
0: you tried to well i mean yeah jack crusher lays it out perfectly oh so everyone can just like be in a daze when the end comes yeah for sure
1: i think like i'd probably be too bummed for the eyes wide shut orgy
0: oh i agree no i totally agree (laughs) okay but again if there were four hours like
1: hey you have six months to live now that's a different situation. Altogether. Yeah.
0: Four of those buns. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's been
1: Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> They're not all eyes wiped shut. Yeah. Some of them are like. No, bark. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them no. are Star Trek The Next Generation themed. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah. No one you know. Don't worry. It's none of the characters. It's just. <laughs> It's just on the Enterprise. That's all. There's Mm. a lot of carpet, you know, so that's... So much
1: carpet. (laughs) Everything is carpet.
0: Anything else you want to say about this episode?
1: No. I think we've covered it inside and out.
0: Don't forget, you can follow us on social media, TrekMaryKpod on Twitter and Instagram. It's so weird talking about Twitter because we never know from day to day if it's going to be around. (laughs) Yeah. We we have a website, TrekMaryKillpod.com. If you have the time, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps boost us up. Been getting a nice listener growth. Appreciate all the people who have reached out or have mentioned us, the TrekMovie.com All Access Podcast. Thank you so much to Lori Ulster who's mentioned us. I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with an all-new episode. So until then, TMK out.
1: Bye.